All right, let's get into the Word. Everybody open up your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19. Santo Juan. Is that is that how you say San, saint? San? All right. San, oh, like San Francisco. Okay, I get it. San Juan. Chapter 1, verse 19, the Gospel of John. We are going through the entire Gospel of John, verse by verse. All you have to do is bring your Bible every single week, and you are going to read the whole book of John. Now, because we are doing it in church and I'm preaching on it, it may take us about two years to go through the entire book of John. But I think if you sat down one day, you could read the book of John in one day. How many of you are pretty good readers? Raise your hand. I know we got a lot of smart people up in here. You could read this Bible in one day, uh, the book of John in one day. You'd be really smart to read the whole Bible in one day. But uh, you could read the whole book of John. Some of you that are so-so readers and just those of you that say you're too busy, why don't you start with a chapter a day? How many of you think you could read a chapter a day? Somebody say, I. All right, so I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1. It's our second message on the book of, uh, book of John. The first message was about Jesus and who he was and is for all eternity. And he has a name that starts with a W, ends with a D, and has or in the middle. What do we call him? Everybody say the word. So we learned in John 1, verses 1 to 18, that Jesus Christ is the word. And being the word, that makes him God. Everybody say God. Now what we're going to learn is that there's this man named John the Baptist that's friends with Jesus. And as a matter of fact, he's related to Jesus. He's like his second cousin, which is cool, because I met like a second cousin today. All right, let's give it up for a second. Gilbert's second cousin in the house. Jose, come on, give it up for Jose. Y'all can do better than that. Come on, make some nice. All right, now watch this. In John chapter 1, verses 19 and onward, we're going to learn that this guy, who's like second cousins to Jesus, played an awesome role in Jesus' life here on this earth. Now, for you to understand this, I want to tell you some more, uh, uh, some, some review about the book of John so that you can know today who wrote this book and what it's about. All right, brother, can you make sure I'm on here because some reason it's not turning for me? All righty. We're one of these moments, and it will turn. Awkward. It's a little hot now. Waiting for my brother to help me. Dun, 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 dun. Are we ready? It's not working. Just do it for me, my brother. Just flip it. And now would be a good time. There we go. Let's give it up for my man in the back. That's why he gets paid a lot of money. Not Okay. Look up here and learn about John's gospel. This is review. I'm going to review it for the next couple of weeks so that everybody can learn about John's gospel. John is the youngest of Jesus' disciples. He was probably around 16 years old when he first met Jesus. So those of you that are around 16 years old, that's how old John was the first time he met Jesus. And how old was Jesus when he started his ministry? 30 years old, and I was relating that to my life. Imagine like me being like Jesus, running into somebody like you, 16 years old, and I start raising the dead, walking on water. You'd be like, well, that dude's bad. And then, you know, like he starts talking about like he's God. You'd either think he's crazy or he's God. And that's what it was like for these disciples. They were just normal people, and Jesus looked normal on the outside, but he was God on the inside. So John, who's writing this gospel, 
is the youngest of Jesus' disciples. Also, we learn that the book of John is the last of the disciples, uh, the last gospel written by the disciples. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what's the next book? John. And not only does it come last in the order of your books, but it comes last in the order of years. It was probably written around 90 A.D. So watch, if Jesus actually split time ad and bc actually have to do with jesus's birth so let's say jesus was crucified at 33 years old okay because he started his ministry at 30 years old he had three years of ministry so he died at 33 years old that's 33 ad john was 16 when he met him probably 19 when jesus was crucified and rose from the dead how old would john be at 90 a.d Who can tell me how old John would be at 90 A.D.? Okay, let's start. Well, Reuben already got the tie, so he must be really smart with math. Let's go with Sherman. No, let's get an exact number. I'm going to come to Reuben right to this. What's the number? No, not 68. Reuben, what's the exact number? Yeah, let's give it up for Reuben. He's the mathematical genius back there, so you all got to hang out with him, man. Everyone be quiet, please. We're preaching now. This is not talking now. Follow me. Listen. Remember the rule. Thank you. Here's the reason why John wrote the book. It's actually at the end. Most people tell the reason why they write a book at the beginning, like an introduction. But John actually waits all the way to the end to tell you why he wrote the book. And here's one of the last chapters in chapter 20. He said, Jesus did other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So why did he write his book? So that people would believe in Jesus, and by believing in Jesus they would have eternal life. Somebody say, aye. Okay, so the first question right here was the same question from last week, is write some facts about the book of John. So right now you should be able to write when the date it was written, who the author was, and what the purpose was, okay? All righty. Now let's go to our Bibles as you have already wrote those down because you're ahead of class and right on where time where you're supposed to be. Let's go to John 119. If you're there, say I'm there. Now we're going to go to this guy named John the Baptist. This is not the John who wrote the book of John. Because John, the one who wrote the book of John, was a disciple of Jesus, 16 years old. This guy is that you're going to find out a second cousin of Jesus. So just like in our day and age, people have, a lot of people have the same name. Like my brother has Jose. That's my name. You know, Joe, Jose, same thing. A lot of you have same names of other people. Guess what? Jesus, or rather John, there was a lot of them at that time. So don't get confused with John the Baptist and the disciple of John. Okay, so starting in verse 19, everybody say, I'm there. Okay, it says, now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So they wanted to know, who is John the Baptist? He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Verse 22. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent asked, uh, questioned him, when then, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Verse 26, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. Now keep on reading here. Now, when we... 
go back to reading this, I want you to see what's happening. John is an awesome guy. He is doing the will of God by going out and preaching and baptizing people. All of the religious people of his day, the Pharisees, everybody say Pharisees. All the Pharisees of his day are coming out there going, dude, who do you think you are? You're not in our churches. You're not in our synagogues. How can you be out here baptizing people and preaching? You've never gone to our rabbinical schools. See, these Jewish people were very, very religious. It would kind of be like me starting a church right here and somebody walking from a Catholic church over here going, Who do you think you are? You're not a priest. You never went to our seminaries. You're not an old person. No one I know taught you how to do this. Who do you think you are? They came out to John and started asking him, Who do you think you are? Now, one of the people they wanted to know who did he think he was, was the Christ. Everybody say the Christ. And that is a Greek word that means the anointed one. You see, from the time of Abraham, this is 4000 B.C., from the time of Abraham, the Jewish people had been waiting for the Christ. Everybody say the Christ. They had been waiting for someone to come on, uh, from heaven to come to this earth and teach them about God. And so prophets would come. All your Old Testament are the book of prophets. Like if you look in your Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all these prophets kept talking about this guy, the Christ, who was going to come. So going back to John the Baptist, when he was out there getting all crazy for God, they said, who do you think you are, the Christ? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not the Christ, but I'm the last dude until he comes, and he's alive right now. Somebody go, ooh. See, this John the Baptist dude was called a forerunner, and you're going to learn about that today. I just wanted to catch you up in this story. So he's preaching, religious people getting mad. They're like, are you the Christ? He's like, no, but I'm out here to represent the Christ. And now we go to verse 27. Somebody say, aye. All right, here we go. He says, he is the one who comes after me. Everybody say, comes after me. Everybody say it again. Comes after me. Y'all need to remember that. That's a forerunner. He says, I'm the person getting ready for Christ, and he's coming after me. Everybody say, comes after me. Y'all sleep and say it like you up today, please. Somebody say, comes after me. One more time. Thank you. You ain't going to sleep here. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus. Oh, somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Come on. John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one who I meant when I said a man does what? Oh, y'all too slow in church. Man. Jesus helped him understand. Y'all don't get it, do you? I had you repeat that for a reason. I didn't want you to forget it, and in 30 seconds, y'all forget it. And it's right there. Everybody say, comes after me. me. All right, now John points to Jesus, and he says, this is what I meant. A man who what? Oh, now you're helping me preach. Thank you. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Oh, come on. That's talking about the Christ, Jesus. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing was with water so that this man might be revealed to Israel. 
Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Somebody say amen. Now this is how it works. John the Baptist was a raggedy dude, but he was on fire. This guy came in the name of God saying, I come here as the last prophet 4,000 years. The Jewish people have been waiting. Some of you can't even wait, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a week for layaway for your shoes. I mean, they were waiting 4,000 years. Are you all listening to me? And this man comes and he says, he's coming right after me. Somebody say, comes after me. He said, he's coming right after me. I am the last Old Testament prophet. I am the last dude right here. And then Jesus is coming. Now let me tell you some unique things about John the Baptist. Number one, he was Jesus' second cousin. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, his mother, were cousins. So then he was uh, Jesus' second cousin. You can read about that in Luke. Number two, he lived in a cave. Look at how crazy this guy is, but he's awesome for God. We're going to make all this have some sense to it. But he lived in a cave, and he ate locusts. Can you all imagine eating locusts? Now, actually, back then, you could live by eating locusts. They had protein and all these things. And I know some cultures actually eat roaches to this day and things like that. Anybody know somebody like that? Are you all going to be shy and embarrassed right now? Okay. I saw Salma Mahayek do it. I ain't going to point out what nation that was, but I saw her do it. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? I thought in Mexico they still did that in some places. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Salma Mahayek did it, whatever her name is. I was like, what? He lived in a cave, ate locusts and wild honey, and wore a camel's hair robe with a leather belt. This is not what those people were wearing at that time, trust me. They were eating normal food, living in houses. But this man lived in a cave and ate bug. Okay? Number three. He preached, repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. That was his message. Everybody say, repent. Say, like you up. Somebody say, repent. Amen. Thank you. And the last thing, he was the last Old Testament prophet preparing the way for Jesus. Somebody say, John the Baptist. Now, the word Baptist just means baptize. So what it means is John the baptizer. You all understand that? Just like in our church, we have a lot of people that have the same names like Ricky. So it's like Ricky the police officer, you know, because there's a lot of Ricky. Then there's Big Ricky, Chubby Ricky, you know what I'm talking about? And we name people like that. Well, he was called John the Baptist because what he was about was going out in the middle of a, of a river, preaching repentance and telling everybody to get baptized. Somebody say, I. Now look at John chapter 1, verse 23. We already read this, but I'm going to review this to you now. Somebody say, forerunner. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. So John the Baptist repeats another word of a prophet that came about 2,000 years before him. He says, this man talked about me. So Isaiah the prophet had talked about him. And he says, you want to know who I am? I'm not the Christ, but I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. You see, the definition of the word forerunner is one that precedes and indicates the approach of another. So I want to look at um, 
the number two question. List four important facts about John the Baptist. What were those four important facts? He was the second cousin of Jesus, number one. He lived in a cave, ate locusts, number two. Number three, he preached, repent, and be baptized. And number four, he was the last prophet before Jesus. Somebody say forerunner. Now look at this verse one more time. Now in 1 John chapter 1, verse 29. When he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who what? Everybody say, comes after me. Say it again. Y'all ain't leaving till you say it like I want you to say. Somebody say it. He's after me. Thank you. Had surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Everybody put this together. Now look up at me, please. Put it together. 4,000 years of history for the Jewish people, and they're waiting for the Christ. Just imagine in your lifetime you're waiting for the Christ, but still 2,000 years ahead of you. And you live and die. When's he coming? When's he coming? And you never see him. You talk to your grandchild. I hope you'll see him. I hope you'll see the Christ come. Then your, Christ, your, your grandson lives and dies. And he says to his grandchildren, I hope you'll see the Christ. I hope you'll see the Christ. And all of a sudden, this guy, John the Baptist, comes and says, Hey! Here he is, and his name is Jesus. I came to be this last prophet and to point that man out. See, that's the job of the forerunner. You see, the forerunner runs ahead and then stops and lets somebody passes him up. You see, John the Baptist was a little bit older than Jesus. He started his ministry a little bit before Jesus. So he was before Jesus. But his whole point as a forerunner was to make the way ready for Jesus. The way you can think about it is in a relay race. The forerunner runs the first lap. And then the next forerunner runs the next lap. And then that last stretch they give to the tail end person. And that guy finishes the race. John the Baptist said, I came running my race just so I could hand it off to Jesus. Everybody say a forerunner. Now let me teach you something here. Number one, he was different from the religious world of his day. John the Baptist did not fit in with the Jewish religion of his day. You know what they were wearing while he was wearing camels, uh, you know, clothes and eating wild locusts and honey? You know what he, you know what everybody else was wearing? Was silk robes. And they were walking around with big canes and the priests of his day would wear these big fancy hats. And you know what? John the Baptist looked nothing like them. Jesus wanted to show us that when he chooses somebody, he doesn't choose the way the world does. He's looking for some different people. You see, today what I'm going to teach you is how to be a forerunner. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to be used by God, you don't have to look like everybody in the church. You can look just as crazy as you look right now, just as weird as you look to all your parents and to the people around you. And God can still use you. Because when John the Baptist came out, he wasn't trying to fit in to the other religious churches. He wasn't trying to fit in with them. He was going to be different and really know God. Somebody say, Religion does nothing, but a relationship with God does everything. He didn't dress like religious people. That's the first thing you learn about John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament, wore camel skin hair, wore a camel skin robe, ate locusts. He didn't go to their fancy dinners. He didn't dress all fancy and pray on the street corners of Jerusalem. He was out in the cave, and he said, this is what it's about. I'm going to be different for God. Number two. He came before Jesus preaching repentance. 
The whole entire purpose John the Baptist came was to preach that message, repentance. You know what it means to repent? It means to ask God forgiveness of your sins. So what John the Baptist was doing is he was saying, guys... Wake up, wake up. You know why? Because Jesus is coming. You better repent of your sin. Get rid of your adultery. Get rid of your lies. Start obeying your parents. Repent, repent, because Jesus is coming on this earth. And then the third thing, he came to prepare people for the first coming of Christ. He was like, yo, get up. We've been waiting 4,000 years as a people, and we ain't never seen him yet. But now he's coming. You need to start getting your heart right. You need to start living right. You need to start going back to church and reading your Bible and praying. He's saying, because Jesus is coming to town. Somebody say, Jesus is coming. Now watch point number four. He then saw Jesus. With his own eyes. Could you imagine that? Seeing Jesus come to earth. Jesus walking on water. Jesus being baptized. He said when he baptized Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord came down in the form of a dove. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is the Christ. This is God's Son. Follow him. Worship him. Now somebody say, make it plain. Someone look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, pastor needs to teach us something. All right, let's talk about you right now. Are you ready to be a forerunner? Are you ready to be different? Are you ready to start living for Jesus and prepare for His second coming? Are you ready to change the world and say, get ready, get ready, get ready, because Jesus is coming back? You see, they waited 4,000 years, but now we've been waiting 2,000 years for His return. And you and I may be that last generation in Jesus Christ is looking for John the Baptist type folk, crazy folk that don't fit in with the church, don't act like, look different, but they're radical in their heart. They're living holy, and God is saying, I'll use them to prepare a place for me. Jesus is coming back. Do you want to prepare a place for him? If you do, give God some glory. How many people want to be a forerunner for Jesus Christ? When he left the first time, he said, I'll be back. He said, he's coming back. And we are now living in the last of the last days. We are now living in the last seconds of the last hour of the last day. Jesus could come back tomorrow. And he is asking people, like he asked John the Baptist, to get out of religion, to get out of stinking thinking, and to start living for him and be radical and get ready for his second return. Because his second return, he's not coming as baby Dito. He's not coming in a manger. He's coming on a white horse to judge the world. He's coming to set everything straight. He's coming to whoop the devil. You and I have even more of an important job than John the Baptist. Because the second return, it's over, baby. If you didn't listen to John the Baptist, you still might have got a second and third chance. We may be the last generation, and the people you preach to and the people I preach to, if they don't listen, that could be it for them, my friends. So you and I have got to take this job seriously and be a forerunner to Christ coming back. If you're ready, can you say, I'm ready? The first thing that we've got to learn, turn with me in your Bible right now to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The first thing John the Baptist was is he was different. Everybody say different. You see, religious people act like they know God, but really they don't. Religious people want to dress up on Sunday and party on Friday. Are you listening? 
They want to pray their little prayers at the front of the altar and then cuss somebody out in the parking lot. God is looking for real people. He's looking for people that are going to be different than the people around them. If you think you're a Christian and you fit in with your friends, you ain't a Christian. You are a wannabe. Because a real Christian will stand out from their friends. You might say, oh, I'm a Christian. I got a little cross on my neck. Mm, That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean one thing. I could get a pig up here, put a cross on its neck, give it some magical wafers and grape juice to drink. But how many know after I get done feeding that pig, I let go of it. What is it? It's still a pig. Jesus Christ says religion doesn't change a thing. You can sing in the choir. You can be baptized. You can do all the religious things. Be confirmed. You can go to every service that we have, even here at Metro Praise, and it still won't count for one darn thing. Jesus Christ is looking for people that want more than religion, but a relationship with Him. He wants to know people that know more than just about Him. I just don't know about my wife. I know my wife. I talk to my wife. He wants to have more than just you guys saying, well, I know about God. I've heard about Him. No, He wants you to know Him. Hear His voice. Know His voice. And spend your life living with Him. There is a difference between religion and a relationship. God is looking for people that have a relationship with Him. Now, it doesn't mean that you live any way you want. John the Baptist wasn't wearing, you know, some bikini briefs. He wasn't dressing like Britney Spears. So I don't want you to think to yourself, oh, well, God must think I'm cute because I don't dress like religious people. No, 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 no. God's looking for you not to be like the world and not to be like religious people. He's asking you to be on fire for him. He wants you to be different. He wants you to look different than religious people that sit in their cathedrals and do nothing. He wants you to look different than the people in the clubs backing it up. He wants you to look radical right now. And it's really not so much about the outside. It's about who you are on the inside. He wants you to talk different. He doesn't want you to cuss and lose your temper like everybody around you does. He, guys, he doesn't want you to lust after women like everybody does. He doesn't want you fellas to get in fights and all this drama that you see. He wants you to be different. Like John the Baptist. John the Baptist had to leave society for a minute and get away into that cave and say, man, I'm going to stand out. I'm going to be different for God. You may have to get away from your lunch table. You may have to take another ride to school. You may have to catch that other bus so that people can know you're not hanging with them anymore. You're not going to be like them anymore. Is anybody getting this? Come on, somebody say, preach him. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. You've got to be different from the world. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. This is Peter, another apostle of Jesus, talking. He said, be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. Now listen to this. Here it is. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't be like who you used to be. You used to cuss out people because you were living in ignorance. You used to lust at any other per- every other person walking down the street because you lived in ignorance. Ignorance. You used to be depressed and anorexic because you lived in ignorance. You didn't know that God made you beautiful, ladies. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you here and, and all of us here have lived in ignorance and sin. The Bible says, as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't live that way anymore. But just as he who called you is holy, somebody say holy, so be holy. Somebody say holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, for I am what? The first attribute 
of a radical John the Baptist forerunner of Christ is a holy person. Write that down. That's one of the answers to your question. That's an answer right there to question number five. The first thing you must, got, you must be, if you want to be a forerunner for Jesus Christ, is to be holy. Be different. When everybody laughs at that joke, <laughs> don't laugh. Nothing funny about it. They're talking dirty stuff. They're talking filth and garbage. No, there ain't nothing funny about it. When they want to go and skip class, no, you ain't skipping class. You're going to school. When people out here on a Friday and Saturday night want to pretend like they're going to church but go out here and hook up and make out on corners and smoke cigarettes, do whatever in the world teenagers do these days, you say, no, I'm going to church. You've got to be holy. Holy means to be perfect like God. Now, you may say to yourself, man, Joe, I can't be perfect. How would God ever expect me to be perfect? You know why? Be holy because I'm holy. You know who helps us in life to do good? God helps us. You may say, Pastor, I can't quit cursing. God will help you. Guys may say, I can't quit lusting. God will help you. God is holy. God knows how to make you holy. I guarantee you, if we had Michael Jordan as our father, he could teach us a thing or two about basketball. Why? Because he's a good basketball player. I guarantee you, if you had Donald Trump as your dad, you could learn to make some money, and so on and so forth. Our Heavenly Father is holy, and He teaches His children how to be holy. You ought to live holy. Somebody say holy. Because if you and I try to change this world, Living like the world, dancing like the world, talking like the world, having sex like the world. We're not going to make any difference in changing the world. We're going to be changed by the world living just like them. They're going to look at you and say, oh, you go to church? Well, I go to the club, but I look better than you do. I act better than you. Some of you come to church and your friends go to the club, but your friends going to the club act better than you do. You're a worse example of a Christian than the ones going to the club. Some of you come here today and say, well, I try to get my friend to come to church. I'm not saying that everybody's like this, but I'll tell you what, one of the reasons why they're not coming to church yet is because they don't see a difference in your life. You're talking about coming to church because you play games and have fun. Well, they go to the, the mall and play games and have fun. Elevate's never going to be as cool as the mall. I mean, the mall, multi-million dollar organization. We're never going to have what, you know, they got in all those video game stores. You know what's going to make a difference when you invite your friends to church? Not that we all have just a little big screen, have some snacks. It's when they see your life has changed. When they can point to you and say, oh, man, that dude don't talk like he used to anymore. I want to be like him. Oh, she don't dress like she used to anymore. She's acting different, and people around her respect her now. Are you listening to me? God wants to find people that want to be different from the world that they're living in i guarantee you you start to walk different you start to talk different they start to see you pray at the lunchroom before you eat your food people are going to begin to start doing one thing persecute you but then the second thing is they're going to say man i want what you have they're going to come to you and say hey man talk to me over here talk to me man why do i see you acting like that john i don't see you cussing no more because god has changed me john i see you getting good grades now John, I see people around you respecting you now. Before you were a goofball, God has changed me. How did that happen? People will come to you and ask you how it happened. And you say, man, it happened in my church. It happened when I found Jesus. It happened when I got right with God. Come, come and see what God did in my life. I wait for the day that we don't just fill up these chairs for youth group because we give away some Snickers bar. I can't wait till we fill these chairs in these youth groups because teenagers' lives are changed and they live different than pimps and players on the street corners. They live like men and women of God. And you may even say right now, Pastor, I'm not even that bad. Maybe some cute, nice little girl, Pastor, I ain't even that bad. 
I don't even do all that bad stuff. Well, I guarantee you, you get out of your shell of being shy. You start hugging people that nobody else talks to. Why'd you hug that girl? She's ugly. I'm hugging her because I love her. And people start noticing the difference in you. You say, hey, girls, I ain't sitting at your lunch table. I'm going to sit with these girls that you all say is nasty and dirty. Once they find you ladies sitting there, they're going to say, what happened to you? I got the love of Jesus in me. I love people now. I love the people that you don't love anymore. And they're going to want to come find out what you are. Man, I'm on Jesus. Hello. I said, hello. Uh, somebody say, I. If you want God to change you, you've got to say, Lord, I want to be different. Being a Christian will not fit into this world. He never even said to try to fit in. He said, the moment you want to be a Christian, you're going to stand out. You are now going to be a forerunner. You are now going to be a leader. Somebody say a leader. You see these things that I always put up here? What you need to do now is you need to be different. When they look at that nasty P. Diddy and all these videos, you turn your back and say, no, I'm going to be pure. When people want to start drinking and doing drugs, you're going to say, no, I'm going to be sober-minded. When people want to get out on the streets and be about violence and gangs, you're like, no, I'm about peace and living right for God. And when people want to do the freaky-deaky and start being crazy like that, you're going to say, no, love waits, Joker. Look at this. I'm waiting for my partner to come for life. Hello? You look at these things right here and you say, oh, pastor, I know the other ones are bad, but I have dreams of this and dreams of that, and I want to have the good life. But you need to let people see something different about you. Hey, you may play NBA. You may be a starting player on a baseball team one day for Major League, but you better love God more than you love baseball. You may have some good friends, but choose the right friends. You may have some money, but don't be greedy. Be a giver. And you may have some nice houses and cars, but put God first in all you do. If you want to be different, can you bless the Lord and say, change me, Jesus. Woo! Come on. It's time to be different. It's time to act different. It's time to live different. When John the Baptist came on the scene, everybody knew that dude was different. I want people to look at you in your school and say, you are different. You are different, man. You have changed, girl. You don't look the same because you're living for God. Somebody say, I the second thing that we need to learn is we've got to preach a message. Everyone turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist came on the scene at 30 years old preaching. But he had disciples just like Jesus had disciples. John was 16. John the Baptist, Jesus was uh, you know, preaching at 30, but John the, John, uh, John the disciple was 16. And when John the Baptist was preaching, he had young disciples. What I'm trying to say, and I know I kind of confused myself there, here's the point. You're not too young to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he asked everybody to repent. And the man that you're reading right now, the book of John, was 16 years old when he first met Jesus and he began to preach. You can learn to preach right now. But you see, number one, you've got to live out your message. You see, if all you do is go out here and tell your friends what they're doing wrong and you're doing the same things, that's called a hypocrite. How many know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite is a faker. They, they, they pretend to be somebody that they're not. And this world doesn't need any more hypocrites. So please, do me, Jesus, and the whole church a favor. If you're not living for God, don't call yourself a Christian. And don't be inviting them to church. Just tell them you're just a son of the devil or daughter of the devil just like them. And you're all both going to hell. You all listening to me? It gets me so agitated when I see wannabe Christians trying to correct their friend. And somebody takes the Lord's name in vain. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. But you were just cussing five minutes ago. 
Oh, but I don't take his name in vain. Like there's some difference. It's all blasphemy to God. God didn't intend you to curse and act that way. You know, don't be a hypocrite trying to teach your friends something unless you live that way, unless you're a true Christian. Hello? I have people come to this church all the time trying to help me out. Try to help me out. I've been doing this thing for 12 years. When I came to Christ, I began to live a holy life. I gave up movies and TVs for eight years. I still don't drink caffeine. I gave up pornography 10 years ago, waited to have sex for my wife. And I'll have some person walk up in this church and say, oh, pastor, I think you should do this, this, and this. And they were just smoking before they came in here. Or a young person, they were just cursing before they came here. Or it's a girl with tight clothes on trying to tell me how to act. Man, get real with yourself. The world is looking for real people. If you don't want to live for God, stop faking the funk. Just be who you is then on your way to hell. But I want to challenge somebody up in here to get on fire for God. Start living holy like we learned and start preaching to this world. And start saying, look here, man, you better get ready because Jesus Christ is coming back. If you walk up to a gangbanger right now, fellas, and you're like, man, you're not living right. You better get right. They're going to call you out. Oh, but you were macking on girls. You were talking to girls. You, you know, you're just like us. No, 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 no. When I stand out on these streets and people are like, oh, no, nobody's perfect. But I'm closer than you, Joker. I've been coming to church. I've been praying. I've been changing. So you better listen to what this preacher's got to say. Some of you guys just want to say, oh, we all sinners. No, I ain't a sinner like you. I ain't looking at pornography going in the bathroom with some juice and all, all this, uh, you know, uh, you know, banana flavored lotion. I ain't cussing like y'all cussing. I ain't being lazy, greedy, holding on to my tie. No, no, no. Me and you ain't the same, baby. I got saved. I've been changed. I left my friends and I've been following Christ for 12 years. We need some radical people that want to be some John the Baptist forerunner. If that's you, can you say I? People want to tell me that all the time. Well, nobody's perfect, but baby, I'm doing this better than you. You better listen to me. John the Baptist wasn't perfect, but he came to preach about living for God. You think if we had to be perfect to start preaching, you think that was the way to do it? Nobody would be preaching. That doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody who lies about who they are and tries to pretend to be somebody that they're not. I can admit, oh, yeah, when I first got saved, yeah, I still smoked, but God changed me. I'm not walking up here to you today saying, oh, I'm free from lust, but I'm running at home looking at pornography. No, God changed me. You see, God can change you. You see, God can rearrange your life. You see, this is just not come make yourself better class. This is not, hey, class, make yourself a little better people. Because if we all try harder, we can all be better. No, 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 no. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dirty, rotten, dead sinners live in righteousness. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Before we came to Christ, we were dead on the inside. We were without God. We had no capability of knowing God or doing one thing good for God. But through Jesus Christ and the one good thing He did, salvation through the cross, we're born again. And being born again is like nitrous oxide for a car. It's like... Jesus changes you. That's why we said, Fuego, come in me and start something in my life. We sing that song, Fire of God, come and change me. You better pray every day, oh God, I may not be perfect yet. I may be still struggling in sin, but change me. Change me. Change me, oh God, and watch what he does. Somebody say, preach it. Amen. I'm trying right here. 
Come on, brother, help me out. Get that slide up there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Hand me their Bibles. My brother gets on point tonight. Hand me my Bible as my brother's slipping. i got to keep preaching. I'm feeling Jesus. Amen. Look, you can have it back. Verse 1. Thank you, brother. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and Samaria, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, don't touch nothing back there, brother. You got that? Amen. Don't touch anything. It says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody say, Repent. No, no. You all got to say it like you mean. Somebody say, Repent. Repent. What did John the Baptist come preaching? Look at your neighbor. What John the Baptist come preaching? Tell him. Why I can't hear you when he come preaching? John the Baptist came saying, repent. You know what it means to repent? You go one way, you're sinning. You may be drinking. You may be smoking. You may be cursing. You may be disobeying your parents. It doesn't matter what of the Ten Commandments you're breaking. But while you're going this way, you say, Lord, forgive me. And you turn 180 degrees and you go the exact opposite direction. That's what John the Baptist came preaching. He said, repent. Now I want you to get something right here today. When Jesus Christ came the first time, John the Baptist had to get people ready. Now Jesus Christ says he's coming back the second time. What do you think would happen right now if Jesus Christ came back today? How many of your friends are living right before God? Would they get the kingdom of God or would they get the kingdom of darkness cast into eternal darkness with the devil? You see, my friends, it's your job to get your friends ready. It is your job to go preach to your friends, repent. And if you're not living right, you just got to shut your mouth. But if you're going to live right, it is your job and my job to start telling people, repent, repent. How do you think we started this youth group? We were saying repent to four of you, and then we said it to 40 of you, now 60 of you. we still saying it, repent, repent, get right with God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. It's coming, baby. You can say amen or oh me, but it is coming. It is right, but it's tight. Are you all listening to me? You may say, oh, pastor, I'm scared. It don't matter if you're scared. He's coming back. You better be ready. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. I don't even have time to read all that today. I don't even have time to read all those verses right there. But I want to challenge you to go home and begin to read your Bible about what this radical man, John the Baptist, preached. He was telling these religious people right here, he says, you know what, you better repent too. I'll go right up now to St. Benedict, St. Mother Mary of Rosa, Madeline, whatever they call those churches, and say, listen here, Father, if you're touching little children, you better repent. Listen to me here, congregation. If you came up here and said a little prayer, kissed the statue on the feet, lit a candle, and if you're not right with God, you will perish. Repent and get your life right because Jesus Christ is coming. Hello. Oh, it gets quiet when I talk like that? It gets quiet when I talk like that? I said, I'm going to preach to people, whether they pastors, priests. It doesn't matter. They better get right with God. Somebody say amen. 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 We're going to get ready for God. I want you to see this next scripture. That's, how, that's an artist's depiction of how he's coming back. Read the book of Revelations one day with all your friends covered a little, you know, a little sleepover. Get the little comforter out. Put out that little flashlight, little horror story. It will freak you out what's happening in the book of Revelations. The Bible says when he comes back, he comes with a sword with blood on it. The Bible says that when he comes back, Lewis, the battle of Armageddon will happen, and it's not even really a battle. It's the slaughter of Armageddon. The Bible says Jesus Christ kills over a billion people. And you know what? They want to make you think that God is somehow crazy because of that. They're trying to tell you in school right now, oh, what type of loving God would do that? 
They want you to question your own Bible now. Oh, well, you know, if God really loved us, why would he kill a billion of us? You know why? Because Larry's hooking up with Harry, having gay pride parades all up and down our cities now, and we think it's normal. Hello, it's an abomination to God because the people that you be bumping in your iPods are disgusting, despicable murderers and whoremongers in the eyes of God, and he's about sick of it because this generation has already killed over 25 million babies in abortion clinics, and we're all stained with the blood of innocent children. Hello. He's sick of it. Bible says in the book of Revelations, Jesus Christ comes down on a horse with a sword, slaughters a billion people. And the blood, I'll show you, man, just, just talk to me after service, I'll show you. And the blood, the Bible says, is as high as a horse's head. This is how high a horse's head is for a hundred square miles. So from here to Aurora, then from Aurora to Madison, Wisconsin. Then from Madison, Wisconsin to Milwaukee, a hundred square miles, a sea of blood. That's the battle of Armageddon. This man is no joke, people. Jesus is no joke. This is not a game. This is not come to church, eat your Cheetos, and walk out here pretending you had a good time. No, John the Baptist came before Jesus came the first time. They waited 4,000 years for him to show up and be the Christ and redeem us. But right when at the end of the gospel Jesus left, Matthew 28, he said, I'm coming back. Preach and make disciples of all nations. Be ready when I come back because I come to judge the world. And now 2,000 years Years later, this preacher and other Christians around the world are trying to wake you up saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, and now go out and get your friends ready because Jesus Christ is coming back. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. This Bible will freak you out. This Bible will mess with you, but you've got to be ready to hear what God is saying. God is not playing, and you can understand it. You can understand Beowulf, Beowulf, whatever that new stupid movie's coming out. You understood what the 300 was about. You understood what these movies you watch. You better understand Jesus is coming back. And he's looking for a generation. Not just one person called John the Baptist. He's looking for a generation of John the Baptist. He's looking for people that are going to be different than the world they live in, who have a message to preach, and who get people ready for Jesus to come back. I'm proud to say, by His grace, I stand here as one of those people. I want to know, are you going to stand with me, Will? I want to know, Sue Wellen, Marcella, are y'all going to stand with me? Are we going to be some John the Baptist in this nation? Even though they think we're crazy, even though they may think we're harsh sometimes, but are you and I going to get ready and get people ready for Christ's return. If you're with me, say amen. Look at what Peter said. Verse 8. Because some of y'all may think the same thing that pagans and unbelievers think. You know what they say right now in college universities? <coughs> Excuse me, class. <coughs> there is no such thing as God. You came from a monkey 12 million years ago, class. <laughs> and you, you read this Bible. Hogwash. <laughs> Oh, it's just a book filled of fairy tales, class. <laughs> Jesus said he'll come back. It's been 2,000 years. He's not coming back. It's a lie like Santa Claus. 
Do you know that every major university in this country teaches evolution as a truth and teaches that God does not exist? Harvard and Yale and Princeton were started as Christian Bible colleges, but now they deny the very existence of God. This is what Peter said. Do not forget this thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? He wants everyone to come to what? Repentance. The Bible says we've been waiting 2,000 years. But to God, He's like, angels, how long has it been since I was down there? Oh, Jesus, it's only been two days. We think 2,000 years is a long time. The Bible says to God in heaven, a 1,000 years is just like a day. It don't even mean a whole lot to Him. Oh, it's 2,000 years. Well, I'm about ready to come. It's only been two days on my calendar. The Bible says He's only waiting for one reason. So that your friend, so that you sitting here today, you will repent. Because if he would have came back 10 years ago, some of your moms and dads wouldn't have been ready. If he would have came back 12 years ago, my friend, I would have hit the lake of fire and been there for all eternity. There is only one reason why God has not come back. Because the planet's population in this generation is bigger than it's ever been in the entire world combined. We are 6 billion people on this planet. And there's only one reason why he's not coming back. Because he wants to spare as many people as possible. The name of Jesus Christ is the most popular name in this world and the Bible is the most read book. Somebody's trying to get the message to you and to your friends. We better get ready because his time is short. Hello somebody. Look at verse 10. That was a good place to say amen by the way. That's alright if I'm scaring y'all. Hopefully we'll scare the hell out of you today. Amen. It says, but the day of the Lord. Hello. Look at this. I'm not reading this for myself. I didn't make this up. Go home, take your Bible, and read it to yourself. Joe did not make this up. It's not my fault that people never read it to you, but I'm here to read it. I'm just reading the Bible. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That day is going to be like a thief. People will not be ready. A thief comes when you least expect it. A thief don't come when you're in your house cooking your dinner. He comes when you're in bed. He scopes your house, and he knows when you're not there. The Bible says he is going to come when people least expect it. Because he is not trying to find people who just want to get out of hell free car. Oh, I love Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. No, he's not looking for those people. He's looking for people that are going to be radical if they got to wait their whole life and they still never see. He's going to wait until he can find a group of people he knows what's in their heart. And then for the rest, he's going to show up like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. Could you imagine that? Everything to heavens, meaning the stars and what we know as the galaxies. Could you just imagine God opening that up, the other dimension of heaven coming into our dimension of earth, and these things peeling away? Like we open up a bag of chips, God just opens up the galaxy and says, Hello, I'm coming back here to take what's mine. It says the heavens will, be, will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Your house, my house, our cars, and that's it. It's bare. It's gone. It's going to be laid bare within seconds. You talk about atomic warfare melting down steel in seconds. Man, this earth is going to be melted and that's it. It says it right there. It will be laid bare within moments since everything will be destroyed in this way. Now look at this. What kind of people ought you to be? Hello, everyone look up at me now. See, I'm still smiling. See, I love you. I'm trying to help you. It says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy. And godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Do you actually know that Christians are actually hurrying up God coming? 
Because we as his forerunner, we have a job to do. That's to tell everybody about Jesus, these six billion people. And the Bible says the faster we tell everybody about Jesus, the faster he comes. So some people are like, man, I don't want that to happen. I'm like, bring it, Jesus. Because I'm tired of watching babies getting killed. I'm tired of watching homosexuality. I'm tired of watching students walk through metal detectors just to go to school or read a book. God, I can't wait for you to lay this whole place bare and just let your children live here. Hello? And we preach it to you because we want you in this thing. Jesus wants you in his kingdom. But keep going. It says, The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven. He's going to recreate the whole galaxy and a new earth. He's going to recreate the earth. And the Bible says the home of the righteous. Somebody say the home of the righteous. You see, Bill Gates, he's wicked. He has a big house, right? Oprah Winfrey, she's wicked. She has a big house. The Bible says this earth becomes, this whole earth is the home of the righteous. Oprah, what you got to say about that? Hello, Bill Gates, what you got to say about that? The home of the righteous is this earth. We own this earth with God, the Bible says. So then, dear friends, I talk to you, dear, dear friends, mi gente, my, my friends, since you are looking forward to this, how many are looking forward to this? Somebody say amen. All right, about half of you, if you all here, make a little more noise. How many looking forward to this? Come on, amen. It says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Let's all stand up tonight. If you love Jesus, will you give him a hand clap of praise in the house? Come on. Come on, let's not patty cake with God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. We thank you, Jesus. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, are you ready for Jesus? We were here to learn some things today. I'm going to review the questions. Number one, what are the facts about the book of John? John wrote this book, 90 A.D., the purpose to have people believe in Jesus. Number two, list four important facts about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. He ate wild honey, locusts, lived in a cave, wasn't like religious people, and he came to preach repentance. What does the word forerunner mean, and how does it apply to John the Baptist? The word forerunner means to come before somebody and prepare the way. How does it apply to John the Baptist? John the Baptist came before Jesus, prepared the way for his first coming. Name four things about John the Baptist that made him a forerunner. Number one, he was different. Number two, he preached a message of repentance. Number three, he prepared a people for Christ's return. And number four, he saw Jesus come. Number five, what's the first thing you must do to be a forerunner? Uh, be different than this world. Everybody say, be different than this world. Number six, what's the second thing you must do to be a forerunner? Preach the message of repentance. Everybody say, repentance. Number three, uh, number seven, what's the third thing you must do to be a forerunner? It says right here, you must prepare God's people. Somebody say, prepare God's people. And the last thing, it says, what might happen and what might we see in our lifetime? We may see him come like John the Baptist did. We may see him come. We may see Jesus Christ. This may be the last generation. Think about that. 4,000 years people waited for Jesus to come the first time. And then this crazy guy, John the Baptist, shows up. And he says, man, he is here. And he is on this planet. He's about ready to start shaking some stuff up. Jesus did his thing. Disciples were made. The gospels was preached. Then Jesus said, look, I'm leaving, 
but I am coming back. And now 2,000 years have passed by. John Wesley preached, Jesus is coming back, be ready. But he lived and died. And other people came after him, preached, lived and died. This generation may be the last generation. This may be the generation where you and I actually see Jesus. And like I said from the very beginning, this is not God saying there's one John the Baptist, and I would have to show you this in Scripture, Matthew chapter 24. But he said this is a generation. Matter of fact, everybody open up their Bible to Psalms uh, 24 right now. I'm going to show you right here. Look in your Bibles. Just hold it up right where you're at, Psalms 24, just so I can encourage you today. Everybody look to your Bible, to Psalms 24. If you're happy, somebody say amen. And if you're not, we're going to get you there. If you want to repent, come to Jesus. Look at Psalms 24, verse 5. I'm going to give you a few moments to get there. Psalms 24, verse 5. When you're there, say I'm there. If you're not, say hold up. I'm going to wait a couple more seconds for some of you guys here. Psalms 24, verse 5. It says, He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Such is what? Such as what? The generation who seek his face. Now look at verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. You know what we're saying? We're saying, Jesus, we're seeking you. And we're saying to the heavens... Get ready, because our Jesus is coming. And He's coming mighty in battle. This is a generation who can say, Lord, we weren't taken off guard about you coming back. Jesus, we've been waiting. Are you a part of that generation? I know I am. I know I'm a part of a generation of Christians all over this world. There's a billion people who love Jesus Christ right now. And we are all saying, in Greek, Maranatha, which means, Lord, even come now. I want to be a part of that generation that is ready for Him. I want to go out and spread that word. Do you want to do that? Are you ready to be a forerunner? I want every head bowed and eyes closed. Could we please dim the lights here tonight? And I want you to ask yourself a question as this music begins to play. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? We're going to start right now first asking those who need to get saved to get saved tonight. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Are you ready for Jesus to come back tonight? If you're not, just right where you are, I want you to slip your hands up.